Welcome back to the WFO Life Podcast. In this episode, we have another special guest. This is a little bit special for us because this may be our youngest guest and probably our first Englishman that we're going to interview on the show. Today, we're going to interview Ollie Wright. This is a 21-year-old newly minted professional footballer. And I have a special relationship, as I know Ollie, from uh, my USL2 days when he was a player there. And really what I want to do with this interview, and, and I think he did a great job with this, is bring out the idea, you know, the pathway and a, another good example of how someone masters craft and how someone can, the, the work it takes and the mindset and the preparation it takes to prepare for anything that you do with excellence. Ollie joins recently the San Antonio Football Club after playing his collegiate soccer career with St. Mary's University at San Antonio. This London and England native was named Co-Male Athlete of the Year at St. Mary's following his junior season, where he recorded eight goals and 12 assists while leading the Rattlers to their very first NCAA tournament in team history. In addition, Wright was named the Lone Star Conference Player of the Year, along with a D2 CCA South Central Region Player of the Year that season overall. In his time as a Rattler, the midfielder scored 13 goals and had 20 assists. Where I met him, he playing in the 2019 USL League Two season with the Corpus Christi Football Club, where he appeared in 14 matches and compiled 1,024 minutes over the season. Wright led the team in seven goals and 15 assists, which was actually a league record for the USL Two. Prior to moving to the United States, Wright spent time in strong English academies, including Fulham and Brentford. This was a special interview for me, and Ollie did a great job. And I think anyone in the Corpus Christi, Texas area or San Antonio communities that have seen Ollie play know that he's a special individual. And anyone that knows him personally uh, knows he's got that spark that's a fun person to be around, a good teammate, and a, and a fierce competitor. So this has got a great interview. I hope you'll sit back and enjoy this one. And uh, welcome on L Ollie Wright to the WFO Live podcast. Welcome to the WFO Life Podcast. Buckle up for interviews, insights, and practical discussions, and the occasional intellectual oddity, all designed to help you master self, master craft, and accomplish any life mission. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the WFO Life Podcast, where we like to explore the ideas around mastering self, mastering craft, and accomplishing any life mission. Today, we have a special guest. He may be our youngest guest ever on the WFO Live podcast, and I, certainly he is our first Englishman, so it's going to be a fun interview with a good friend of mine. Um, Chris, how are you tonight? Doing good, just trying to stay warm in the uh, frozen tundra of uh, the outskirts of Philadelphia. So Yeah, you know. excellent. Yeah. Well, today our guest is uh, newly minted professional footballer, Ollie Wright. Ollie, welcome to the WFO Live podcast. Thank you for having me. Luckily, I'm in the warmer part of San Antonio, so I'm a bit, a bit warmer than Chris today. <laughs> yeah, I wish yeah. I was there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's weird. I'm in Corpus Christi, which is even further south than um, San Antonio. And it's like in the set, it was in the 80s today. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is this? You know, it's yeah. like spring or something. So, well, good. But the magic of the internet and Zoom has brought us all together. Um, so, I, I gave your bumper some intros so people have a little bit of knowledge about you, Ollie. Um, but I wanted to, you know, kind of point out to everyone that you just signed your uh, first, you know, full professional contract uh, with the San Antonio FC program, and uh, that's part of the USL Championship League. So you're a full-on professional now, and I just wanted, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a dream come true. I'm, so, I'm sure you can imagine it's uh, it's been a long time coming. <clears throat> I'm 21 now, so like I feel like I've taken the longer route than, than most people do, especially where I come from uh, in Europe. <clears throat> But um, no, like I say, dream come true. And finally, I can say I made it. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for that. Absolutely. It's a big accomplishment. And I mean, I'll weave it in a little later. We've got some background and I was part of your story early on. But um, first, I guess, for everyone's background, tell us where you grew up and uh, kind of your family life growing up, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in, in West London uh, in England. And um, I'm sure, as you can imagine, and everyone pretty much knows that soccer is, is the culture over there. Do you know what I mean? It's it's soccer 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 uh, football as we call it and um so like that was drawn into me from an early age like I was always playing with my with my uh, dad and, and watching his team play and stuff like that so it was a real it was a real thing it's like it's like a religion almost soccer in, in in the UK do you know what I mean so um like I say that was drawn into me from the age of maybe four <coughs> three or four and um I've just been growing up with it ever since I was fortunate enough to play for a few uh, professional academies in the UK such as QPR and Fulham um and yeah, growing up, growing up, like I say, in school, outside of school, football is football is the religion. So uh, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And uh, <clears throat> I found my way coming over to San Antonio, eighteen years le- eighteen years after being born, and, and it was a culture shock. But um, now London, London's my home, and I and I love it there. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot that about that. Your dad had played as well. Was he? Yes, was he? He was a professional player, was he not? He was. He was. Well, he likes to say he was. <laughs> he, was <laughs> he was the level just below. Okay. Um, but I mean, it was a different game back then. Do you know what I mean? So like, the money wasn't necessarily great at that level. Now, right. now you look at you look at the um, le- levels just below pro in England, and, and there's good money to be made there. You know, but uh, obviously at the time it was kind of maybe uh, the bus fare was was the money that you were getting. <laughs> right, right. So did but, you? Uh, was, sorry, go, I was, go ahead. I was just going to say, I know it's a different uh, system, kind of like you you alluded to. Uh, you know, 21, I think for most people being a professional athlete seems relatively young, but is the, is the, I guess, is the pipeline or the pathway a little bit different in Europe than it is in America? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, you see a lot of the top players coming through now and they're like 17, 18. So typically in Europe, like if you haven't made it by 17, 18, 19, maybe a push, then it's kind of probably, you probably missed the the bracket. You know what I mean? So that was my main decision-making in, coming over to the States is I thought, you know, I can go to college for four years and it gives me four years extra of developing both as a football player and as a person. And um, hopefully by the time I graduated, so like 21, 22, I'll be able to to make the leap into professional soccer. And luckily I was fortunate enough to do that. Yeah, awesome. Right on schedule. You know, since you mentioned that, what I had done before we started this is I put out a Facebook post and out to a few friends looking for questions, you know, for maybe fan questions, things like that. And one of them that came up was in line with that. So I want to bring that up now instead of doing it at the end, because I thought it was a really good question. It ties in exactly with what you were just talking about. 
The uh, question was from uh, a good friend, uh, Brian Acuff, and he mentioned uh, front, he, this was a question he asked you specifically from a youth soccer perspective, growing up in England, what was the structure and progression like to get to the professional level? And he also added was the format from club to academy, you know, what, what did that look like for you? And also he wanted to know about the differences between the game of football, you know, like culturally, um, you know, for young kids there versus in the U S if you have any feel for that. Uh, well, well, so I started off like like all kids pretty much playing club soccer. Um, I'll, I'll you know, we'll stick to soccer. I'll just call it soccer for the time being. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, in a, we're in America. <laughs> America, <laughs> America. But yeah, yeah. I was playing. I was playing club soccer from like I say maybe. F- so I started playing soccer like kicking around when I was like four or five, and I joined my first official team when I was seven, I believe, and they were called Feltham FC, and. Um, Loads of kids, loads of kids play Sunday league football. You know, the, the standard isn't necessarily the highest, but um, what you what you tend to have at those games is a lot of scouts from professional clubs that come out and watch. Um, so I was I was yeah seven or eight, and a Fulham scout came to watch my game, and he like recommended me to the club Fulham FC, and and I was lucky enough to go in for a trial for six weeks, and then they signed me. And so how it works then is that's literally the pipeline from from you under eights all the way up to if you keep on every year if you if your contract keeps on getting renewed then you'll keep going until you reach the first team and I, I don't know if you guys know of Mason Mount for Chelsea and that that was his that was his path pathway yeah yep. he was at Chelsea from the age of I think eight or nine and you saw a couple of days ago he was captain in the side so like that's the that's the way it goes you start at young at the club and then hopefully work your way up for me it unfortunately wasn't that successful I was released from Fulham uh one and a half, two years maybe into into being a player there, which again is so common. Um, and then I went to, and that's when know. you were like ten years old, though, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? That, yes. Yeah, so, so you summer. signed, so you signed at seven or eight, and then yeah. like you know, and then like as a ten year old, you, you for some reason you, you weren't quite what they were looking for, and then exactly. you got to go go. So that's crazy. But I think I think that's such a I think that's the problem with with uh, soccer in Europe is that. I've got so many friends that like played in and around academies, like professional academies from a young age. And when they get that setback of being released from a club, it, it kind of just, the spark in them, you just see it go. Yeah. So a lot, I've had a lot of friends that just haven't played since then or haven't played competitively. Do you know what I mean? So for me, <clears throat> like I was lucky to have a good support system. Like my, my dad kept me going and I went back into club soccer, just playing local stuff and with the same team that I was with previously before Fulham. And I was there for a couple of years more and then, the same thing happened. I was I was scouted by QPR, and then the same thing happened. I went there for a year or two and was released again, and then I went to Brentford, and the same thing happened. And it was just a constant. It's a constant cycle, and it happens to everyone. Like you see a lot of professional players nowadays. Like they all have a story. Do you know what I mean? They all were released from a club, or someone said they weren't good enough. And for me, it was just it just inspired me to to want to prove them wrong in a way. Do you know what I mean? So I kept looking. I kept buying myself opportunities and. All of a sudden, I find myself in the middle of San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> yeah, hey, whatever it takes, right? By any means necessary. So, exactly. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, um, is there, uh, you know, <clears throat> part of what we talk about is, you know, mastering your craft. And so, even at that young age, are there specific? Is it athletic? Is it uh, technical skill? Is it, you know, what what is the combination? I guess of metrics are they looking for that mm. keep you kick you out, or is it very subjective? Um, I think it is subjective for yeah. the most part. I think from a, from a young, young age, it's a lot to do with technical ability because 
obviously they know that you're going to grow eventually, you're going to get faster eventually, that, that those physical aspects will come. So yeah. I think from such a young age, it is a lot to do with technical ability. But I think as you grow up and you start to get to 14, 15, 16, that's when the physical aspects are, are really important. That's when you start going to the gym and you've got to start focusing on your diet and stuff like that. So I think from those ages onwards is, is when it starts to kind of become more of a physical thing as well. And, and also fitting into the, the team ethos. So like yeah. what, I know, what I noticed was at these academies is that the coaches were trying to implement the same system that the first team would have. So if you couldn't fit into that system, then you weren't going to, they didn't see you as someone that could potentially progress into that first team. So they would just thought, do you know what? Not worth it. Do you know what I mean? So they're yeah, trying so, to put the, like the whole club from top to bottom. So is it, yeah, just just uh, in my mind, is there one club that's known for like producing the hooligans or something? You know, like the ones that just are like rough players? Or something? Probably say maybe Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you can't if you can't fight, then uh, you know along yeah, with exactly. the other skills, you can't be in that club. So anyway, that's, I, I just had an I just had an interesting revelation as you were telling that story. So in the U.S., which you know. Uh, you know, obviously that's where I grew up playing soccer and have been ex- involved in soccer for a long time. Mm. And what's interesting is I was just lamenting the other day, you know, my, my oldest daughter played uh, college soccer and my middle daughter is now uh, in high school, but preparing, you know, she's kind of on that pathway trajectory to play college soccer as well. And what's really interesting to me is you're just talking about, I didn't realize that that's how early they were scouting mm. uh, in, in Europe. I understood that there's the pipeline, but I was lamenting the other day that my sophomore in high school, it's like, God, it seems like such a stress mm. to like be talking about which college or which should we be looking yeah. at and all this stuff because she's like she doesn't even know what she wants to do much exactly. less you know where she wants to go to college and and uh, she's good enough to play at a, at a major university and, and it's just like it seems so early but yet hearing that it's that trail starts a lot younger uh exactly. in, in europe for sure and i mean i mean you got you got to look at the players like i say the recent players that have that have come to light your Jaden sancho's your killian mbappe's and, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of the clubs kind of see that as like a lottery ticket because if they can find a, a young gem from a young age, they can sell them for hundreds, hundreds yeah. of millions, you know what I mean, in the years to come. So they, they really do invest a lot into trying to find the right players from a young age and, and keeping them in the club from, from then, you know. So when you start, got started, uh, you, you were typical pathway. You were actually good enough to uh, show enough skill that you kind of bounced around to some different clubs. And it sounds like you had some, some good training, but you always stuck with it because you loved the sport. And of course, uh, culturally, it's, it's what people do. And, and it, your family in particular, it was, it was uh, you know, something that was very important to your family. So then it sounds like because of that pathway, you saw coming to the U.S. as an opportunity. Mm. And maybe a way to get an education, but also to continue playing. Can you chat about that transition for you? Yeah, for sure. So I was 17 at the time and um, I saw one of my friends, he went to New York in, in he went to, sorry, university in New York. Um, and he's from London as well. And I, I kind of I thought about it. I didn't put too much thought into it, but like it was kind of an option that I maybe could go down one day. And um, I was then back in with QPR for maybe a six week trial. Um, and this time I was with the under 23s team and I was training with them. And this was, this would have been February, 2017. I was training with them and I felt like I was at the standard and I felt like I felt good. Do you know what I mean? And unfortunately it didn't go my way and, and they didn't sign me. And so for me, that was kind of a sign that it was like, okay, Ollie, it's not, it's not happening in England for you, whether that's, whether that's your fault or whether that's because 
of the coach's fault or whatever it is, it's just not happening. So I sat down with my family and I said, you know what, like my friend's gone down this route. This is something I can see potentially can help me in the future to get to where I want to be. And um, yeah, I was, there was a guy called John Sparks who helped me out massively in terms of getting a college over here and, and doing all the things I needed to do to get over here. And then a few months later in August, 2017, I found myself in San Antonio and, you know, it's the best decision I've made both from a soccer perspective and a personal perspective, because I've gained so many friends, I've gained invaluable life experience. Do you know what I mean? That I wouldn't, I wouldn't change for the world. So I'm really happy with my decision to do it. Um, it was a bit rushed. It was a bit rushed, but like I say, I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I was going to say that takes a lot of, uh, really courage uh, to be that that age and decide to leave your country and to pursue your dream you know it could have gone uh, a, a bad way but you know so what do you think it was like your um, your drive to want to play soccer was it something in your family upbringing that gave you the confidence to be able to do that or it, it, it was mainly it was mainly the soccer to be honest with you obviously I knew that there was going to be an education coming out of it as well so it was a massive bonus for me but I always saw it as if I don't like it, I can just come home. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't too much of a risk for me because I knew that home was always going to be there for me. Home wasn't going anywhere. Um, so for me, I kind of went there with an open mind. I was like, I'll see how it is for the first semester. And yeah, if I don't like it, I can come home. But I fell in love with it instantly. The culture, every, everything about the US, I really enjoy. <clears throat> so I kind of, it kind of fitted like a glove for me. So uh, like I said, awesome. I'm really happy with the decision. Yeah, awesome. So in our bumper, we gave some of your background and at, you went to St. Mary's University and uh, pretty quickly you, you, you started setting the pace there and you have all kinds of accolades from there that I had already listed. So you've had a very impressive career there. I first met you as uh, an assistant coach under Sebastian Geraldo. Sebastian and I had been coaching uh, for many years together, and he had got hired as the USL2 uh, head coach for the Corpus Christi FC Sharks, uh, which is a kind of entry-level, professional kind of level soccer. Uh, it's a way to showcase for up and coming. So it's kind of like the U.S.'s way of starting to you know, build a pipeline for, pro for professional players, much, I guess, yeah. like the European system. Um, so anyway, that's where I first met you and, uh, you know, tons of, you had, you know, tons of accolades coming in and even your next season after our first there, uh, with St. Mary's very successful. And, uh, certainly, um, I, I thought when I first met you very creative, um, and that was something that, that stood out and, um, you know, you're, you're, you're somebody that fit right in with the rest of the players. It was a very interesting process that mm. that whole melting pot, you know, it's so quick yeah. that USL two season, we just throw all these guys together yeah. and go, what, tell us about that transition into playing, <clears throat> which probably was a step up from even college play at that level. What, what did you yeah. think about that? Well, like you say, it was very difficult. So you got three months to try and build a, a, a national tournament winning team. Do you know what I mean? So it's very difficult to get the chemistry built with the players, but <clears throat> there was, what I think, two or three guys from St. Mary's. So instantly yep. there was that chemistry there. I had the chemistry with Arthur because we're both from London. Right. So like, obviously you had the, the Serbs that kind of had their own chemistry. And I think it kind of, it just seemed to really fit. I don't know what it was, but it just worked. Do you know what I mean? And you could see that from the, the, the amount of goals we scored and the games that we won and stuff like that. But <clears throat> like you said, definitely a step up in level definitely a step up you saw the likes of Arthur's gone pro Salafu went pro do you know what yep. I mean so yep from that from that team like that that was the dream team and I, I'm 
really upset that we didn't go further because I think we definitely had the, the talent to do so and it just didn't go our way. But um, no, the, the step up in talent was was massive and the exposure that I gained from it. Because like I say, St. Mary's isn't the biggest university. It's not the most well-known. So the exposure that I got to professional clubs and agents and coaches from USL League Two and Corpus Christi was was huge for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, I... I you bringing up that last season with, you know, the COVID thing was a heartbreaker for both Sebastian and I, because we kind of knew that on paper um, based on the previous season, maybe a little bit more chemistry with guys coming in, having the USL two season canceled this last year was a real heartbreaker for us. Cause we mm. kind of felt, you know, we could, we could make a serious run at the everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think, you know, that would have been, you know, one thing I always looked at, and you probably remember this from when I first met you guys, I always talked to everyone about, you know, one of my roles was to try to make you guys better professionals and uh, try to prepare you, not just, I mean, we, you know, Sebastian was going to teach you soccer, but I wanted to kind of teach you, you know, how do we become the best professionals we can mm-hmm. and things like that. That was something I was always big on, on, on trying to emphasize. And and the fact that we turned out multiple pro players from that, from that squad, uh, very, very satisfying to me. And I know to, for Sebastian, and I, it's always a little heartbreaking that we didn't get that next season. Yeah. I, think, I think we could have showcased so many more guys, which is what that season's about. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, and I remember, I remember coming to the first practice and, and asking you about what I should be eating and stuff like that. And I think you yeah. were you were a massive motivation for me to, because me being a, a teenager in, in the US, I was always eating McDonald's and KFC yeah. and stupid right. things. You know I mean? So I kind of, like you say, you you helped develop me and a lot of the other guys into being a, a professional, even though we weren't specifically professional players, right. but you know, a lot of us, and I know the guys around me as well, like we really treated that as if we were professional. Do you know, we didn't have school to worry about at the time like soccer was our main focus. So we, we kind of all put, we, we put our all into it for sure. Well, and, and to be very honest, Sebastian, and I, one of our original goals with, with your team, with the USL team there was we wanted it to be a professional environment for y'all. Now there's things that we just couldn't control because it's not a big club, but there are things that, you know, we wanted that to be the environment. We wanted to treat you that way. I wanted to say something too, because you know, when we are talking to our, our listeners um, at the WFO live podcast, we're always talking about mastering self, mastering craft, accomplishing mm-hmm. any life mission. I don't think it's a surprise that you were one of the three players that walked forward when I gave my spiel on lifestyle, nutrition, things like that. When that training session was over, I don't think it's a coincidence that you were one of three players that walked forward and wanted more information. Mm-hmm. You And that's, a, that's an important lesson to anyone who's trying to get to the next level at whatever they're doing. It's the little things. You were a guy that was willing to say, okay, I know I'm a footballer. I know I'm good at what I do. I'm skilled. I'm as good as any of these other guys. What else can I do? Yeah. And I think that's important. And, and I, I tell me, tell me how you've, um, I, cause I know at that season in particular, you really started looking at your off the field stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, for me, like not blowing my, blowing my head up or anything, but I've always known that I've been a, a talented player. Um, and it's always been a little bit frustrating for me knowing that I couldn't quite get across that line from amateur to professional. Right. So I kind of, that summer I had to take a real look at myself and be like, what is it that's separating me from the rest? Because there were some professional players that I knew like, uh, well, I thought anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm better than ever soccer. Do you know what I mean? So right. I kind of had to take, have a reality check and realize there's something holding me back. What is that something? And I had to do little things and, and it's things that give you a, a slight slight advantage you know what i mean changing your diet going to the gym more making sure you're going running making sure you're sleeping at, at healthy times and so 
for me, I spent that summer really focusing. And don't get me wrong, obviously, you slip up every now and then. You're still a, yeah. you're still a kid, you know, you, you have fun with your friends. But um, I really made an effort, a conscious effort of making sure I got those details um, perfected. And then, luckily enough, it, it transferred onto the pitch and I was, I was able to perform at, at a higher level. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say one thing, uh, you know, I, I'm still in the military and, you know, being a leader uh, in an organization you know, like the military, uh, there are parallels with, uh, you know, high level sports. And I was just curious, you know, we do it one way, but what are some of the things that gave you the confidence? Because I'm sure going from, you know, through the different levels, it's always you have to find a source of strength. Uh, or a source of confidence, like you talked about, hey, you look at some professional players and you say, mm -hmm. I have the same skill as that person. But once you step on the field, you know, what are some things that, you know, you've been able to, I guess, cultivate or build that's given you the confidence to rise up through the levels? I think for me, it's my it's my willingness to win. Well, I think it's two things. I think it's my, my willingness to win. And it's also my willingness to repay the faith and the money that my parents yeah. have invested in my in my career so like yeah. in terms of wanting to win losing is my pet hate whether it's having a kickabout with your friends or whether it's playing at a professional level do you know what I mean so for me whenever I stepped onto that field it was always like whatever it takes I'm gonna be better than that person and, and obviously it didn't always work and we lost yeah. games etc but that was the main thing that got me before a game I'm in the I'm in the uh, locker room and that's what I'm thinking I want to win I want to win I want to win and then another thing for me, especially <clears throat> that summer that, that really clicked in my head is my parents have invested so much into me, you know, taking me here, there and everywhere when I was in England and sending me over here to the States and paying all this tuition money for, for St. Mary's. And I want it to be worth it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to get a degree at the end of it, but I want it to, the main reason I came over here is soccer. So I want it to be a successful story. Do you know what I mean? So that was the thing for me. It's like, I need to make sacrifices in my life if I can't go out with my friends on a Saturday night, then so be it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they were the major, the major driving forces in, in my head anyway. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, we, we've been doing a coaches series and, you know, getting you on is a good tie in for that because I think a lot of what coaches try to do and, you know, Dr. Curtis talked about it with uh, one of the coaches we had from <coughs> high school that we had on and he talked about how do you build that competitive spirit? And sometimes coaches like really good coaches can can tap into it and make you better at it but I think you know like you were saying it's one of those things you, you know maybe you've always been like that like from you know a young person you were naturally competitive and then just competing at the different levels only fueled the fire more so I think that's really cool and important to hear for people it's like hey you know it's not always going to be you know, nobody's going to give you discipline and nobody's going to grant you competitiveness. You know, a lot of times you have to figure out a way to build that, in, you know, in exactly. yourself. So, yeah. so, it's yeah. so important that you find that thing that gets you going. And, and once you find that, you can't you can't let go of it. You know, you've got, you got to see it through to the end for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, as a parent of uh, top, you know, high level soccer players, I can tell you that I'm sure if your parents are like me, uh, they're already repaid for it's just <laughs> it's like really cool to just see your kid you know succeed and yeah. even if it's just at a at whatever level doing well so I'm sure they're mm -hmm. super happy but I wanted to right. move on here uh, one thing that the theme that keeps coming up I'm probably sure at youth club USL2 now the USL championship level play you know, this level's big. You got MLS players kind of coming down. You got journeyman players. You got all, it's a mixing pot, even bigger yeah. maybe than the USL2 level. 
And um, one thing that crossed my mind is, man, you've been proving yourself. You came into the CCSC Sharks. You had to prove yourself, and you did. And I think, you know, you you were a clear standout in my mind as a coach and, and clearly as a league standard. I mean, you were setting records uh, for a number of assists, things like that, high-scoring player. You've got all the physical abilities, interpersonal skills, all those things. I saw all those as a coach. You got all those ingredients, but now you got to prove yourself all over again. What is that prospect like? Is that just normal? Like you're used to proving yourself and you're, you're getting thrown in the pot again. It's not, it's not normal to be honest. This is a completely different feeling that I've had, you know, um, I don't know before it was kind of, I want to, I want to do the best for myself so I can get to that level. Yep. But now it's kind of like, there's just something else in my mind. It's like, I want to, I want to win championships. Do you know what I mean? Now it's a real, it's, it's more of a, t- I've, I've made it to this level now. And although it's never good to be content, but I've made it here. I need to be proud of what I've done. And now I need to focus on, on bigger things, such as winning championships, my team winning games, et cetera, et cetera. And it has been, it has been a, a little bit of a different mental thing for me because I'm so much more motivated than I've ever been. And, and mm-hmm. you saw you saw yourself in, in Corpus. I was, I was I felt like I was very motivated then and oh, yeah. just elevated it to completely, a completely new height. Do you know what I mean? So... The season is looking like it's going to start late April, early May, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I want to be I want to be flying by the time by the time I start. I, I already feel like I'm in good shape, but I want to be I want to be even better. Do you know what I mean? So every day I'm kind of doing like like I said earlier, the little things, the tiny little things that can make me better. And it's all about consistency. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I can't afford to have days off now. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you get the right mindset for it, especially the off the field stuff, the little preparation, getting your body strong, flexible, mobile, all those things. That's that's huge. When you look back up to this point, and and I love your attitude going into this uh, professional level, you know, what, what are you, when you look back, where where, were the roadblocks, the areas that you thought, uh, maybe the biggest hardships, if you will, where you thought, I'm not sure this is going to go past here. What, what, what were those points? Um, I think it was just before I came to America was the biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to be such a sacrifice coming to the States. So although eventually I was kind of open-minded about it, but like I said, I was with QPR for a few weeks before that, um, a few months before that for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And when they said no to me, and that was the second time QPR had said no to me, obviously, like I said, I was there when I was younger. So that for me was a bit of a, oh God, like the ship sailed. <clears throat> right. And then the second, the second one for me was my freshman year. So my freshman year, I was, I sucked basically. Let's put it that way. I, I struggled massively to adapt to the game, to the country, not the country, the, the style of play in the country. Mm-hmm. Very different to, to England. It's a lot more fast paced, a lot more physically demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and my statistics showed that I got one goal, one goal, two assists, I think my freshman year, which for my expectations were, were nowhere near what I wanted to reach. So that was a massive eye opener for me. I had to, I had to realize like, I've got if I if I want to make anything of it, I've got to get my head down. And it it, it did take me a while to get that motivation back. My confidence was at probably a, an all time low. Then I was kind of like, do you know what, Ollie? If you can't do it now, like what makes you think you're going to be able to do it in three years' time? Like I should be in my physical not peak, but do you know what I mean? Like I felt if I couldn't do it against against college players, what makes me think I'm going to be able to do it at a professional level? So right, um, it took it took me a while to like get my confidence back and and proper get my head down. Do you know, but Luckily, I overcame those those occasions, and and here I am. Excellent. Yeah, I was just gonna say that uh, that I mean, 
you hear all different types of stories like yours and, and different, you know, and, and so, some are uh, in, in other sports. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I think, and like you mentioned, there's, you know, high level professionals in Europe that have had it easy and gone up the, you know, I could say quote unquote easy. I'm sure everybody has hardships on this journey, but uh, I think that, you know, as long it sounds like you're doing that, but to, to use that as a source of strength, you know, that you've gone through all these almost rites of passage. And, you know, now that you're finally here, I mean, I think that's good to hear that you're like, okay, not that you've made it, made it, and you're going to rest on your laurels, but you're like, okay, I know that I've put in the work. Uh, I, I'm, I'm controlling the things I can. And so now it's just about maximizing, you know, what you've worked for. So, exactly, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think that's, I mean, that's cool in my head. I'm building like the watch pieces on, you know, your career. So how, mm-hmm. how does it feel I, now? Um, but because you've done all those things and now you're at this level, it, are there some people are they already on your team that you've, uh, you know, started learning some other things for like people that maybe have other different types of experiences that got them there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot uh, currently we're training and there's a lot of younger guys in the side, but these younger guys, Although they're 18, 19, 20, they've been professionals for two or three years. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's just getting up to pace with that. Like the again, it's a it's an increase in uh, speed of play and style of play and all of that. So it's just getting used to it. Um, yeah. A lot of the older guys obviously can take experience from in, in mental the mental side of the game and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's definitely been a lot of people that I've been able to like feed off of and and just get the full experience that I need. I feel like to compete at this level because if you don't if you don't have that then then you're never gonna you're never gonna succeed so you know i'm really grateful for, to have those people around me that i can learn off of yeah. what's your uh what's your preparation look like right now i mean as first practice games off season what what are you uh what what kind of things are you doing to prepare so uh currently we're it's just the local san antonio guys right now training mm-hmm. um so there's nine or ten of us just in practice just doing you know conditioning things uh fitness things like that and I believe nothing's confirmed as of yet, um, but I believe that preseason will be starting around March. <clears throat> so that is when the rest of the squad will come in and, and we'll start getting some proper uh, match realistic sessions going. And then, like I said earlier, a late April slash early May start um, is looking, all, all of it's subject to change, but that's right. what it's looking like at the moment. So, um, yeah, like I said, at the moment, just just small-sided things and, and fitness and stuff like that, trying to keep ourselves going. I'm hoping this window is going to be your shot because uh, it looks like COVID is waning, you know, as far as, uh, you know, just, I was just looking today uh, at some of the numbers, uh, you know, as a physician, I'm, I'm treating COVID cases every day. And it mm-hmm. seems like the numbers in our community are going down. They're immunizing people. Of course, the more people that are infected and survive uh, there, they get immunity. So I'm hoping, I, I just heard that even in California, they're going to start relaxing some of the standards a little bit. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that means that, you know, professional ball is going to move forward, even if it's uh to limited, you know, access fans or something. I just, I just hope that we get back to that place. I mean, I know that we've been playing youth ball. I know that, uh, you know, my, my kids are playing high school ball, so I know it's doable. Uh, there's a lot of strange restrictions, um, you know, but, uh, I I'm hoping this is, uh, you know, is going to be your shot where you get to jump back in and, and go at it. Yeah, for sure. I'd hope so. I mean, like you say, the, the numbers seem to be going the right direction. So um, hopefully, by the, I think that was the main reason in, in the league delaying, delaying the start of the season because they know that a lot of these clubs rely on fans for financial backing. 
Um, Absolutely. There's no fans in the games. It's difficult for them to make money. So that I think that was the main reason. So hopefully, come April time, April or May, we can have uh, we can have some fans in the stadiums for sure. Absolutely. So um, I got a couple other things. We're kind of getting near the end here, but you've given us a lot of good stuff to think about. And what we always tie together in these interviews is is the idea of you know trying to pull out pearls from an individual high achiever. You're clearly a high achiever. You've overcome some adversity. Uh, and, and you're having, you know, some, some success, uh, you know, sport is really a metaphor for life. You know, there's a lot of highs and lows. The game shows us that, I mean, you know, you've just, we've been in games together, uh, you know, and the USL team were just heartbreaking in some situations, you know, that like we should have won that damn game and it just, all the things were against us and it didn't work. Um, I think it's, you've been a good example of how, um, you know, being present. And, and I'm glad you brought up the idea of like, Hey, I'm just, I'm going to be happy where I'm at. Mm. I'm going to make some goals, but you sound like you're very present. Like, yeah. like you're not like thinking too far ahead. Some guys will come in and they'll say, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, doing this down the road a ways. You're part of this club and trying to win championships and be present, enjoy the moment. I think that's a very powerful tool for anybody, or or I guess lesson that for anybody listening to this, focus on what you can control. That's kind of, that's, that's kind of, I think a a lesson you're, you're teaching everyone here. Uh, Also, you've mentioned how you do the off the field preparation. You're thinking carefully about, you know, um, you know, what you're doing off the field. These are sometimes things that people forget about. Mm-hmm. Tell me, um, do you have any advice for young players, friends at home, uh, youngsters that think they're going to make it big? What kind of advice do you have for folks like that? I think for me, it would be just just don't give up. Just believe in yourself, regardless of. I know it's I know it's cliche, but regardless of what life throws at you, you've got to. If it is your goal, like to make it to college or to make it to the professional level, then, like you were mentioning, short term goals, short term goals, making sure you control what you can control. Um, and just just believing in yourself all the time. Like, no one's going to believe in yourself the way you believe in yourself. So, if you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect anybody else to? Um, so, I think yeah, that's the main thing for me. Just never give up. And if you put in a hundred percent, then I'm sure you'll get something out of it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about that we usually like to uh, to tease out a little bit, Ollie, is um, like habits that they're you know like you were talking about when you're younger sometimes you're just trying to work hard but there's maybe no not as much structure like you talked about when Dr. Curtis talked about diet and being a professional so now that now that you've gotten to this point what does kind of a perfect day look like for you where at the end of the day you're like you know this is what I this was my intention you know for the perfect day or I want to have more days like this like what what does one of those good days look like for you right now so I'd say for me probably waking up getting a nice early morning in so maybe a 7 8 a.m start having a good breakfast making sure I'm ready for the day and, and if we're talking soccer environment <clears throat> I'd say you know going to practice with the team um, getting a good practice in and then instead of coming home and getting straight on the Xbox or, or having a nap, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm keeping myself productive. So whether that's reading a book or, or going for a walk or something, just something to keep me, keep me proactive in, in as, as much as possible. Um, I like to get a good lunch in, making sure I'm staying healthy. And then, you know, it, def- it definitely is important to have your downtime, you know, have, have time with your friends, get on the Xbox if you need to. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, just staying as productive as possible and just doing, little things that just keep you keep you ticking over as the day goes by and then evening time I like to make sure that I if I haven't been to the gym in the afternoon or in the morning with the team I like to make sure that I get a a gym session in at some point I'm not saying go and lift in 
200 pound weights or anything like that you know just just something light just to keep the body keep the body going and um yeah then i like to try and get not necessarily an early night maybe 10 30 11 11 30 um because obviously like i said i like to wake up early in the morning so if i can get a, a good night's sleep in then then definitely i try and do that it was a bit difficult beforehand because i had classes yeah so um you know, I'd always be behind with homework and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. now I haven't got that to worry about, so I can focus more on, you know, my sleeping schedule and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, because uh, you know, I think you you weaved it in there. It's just that uh, recovery, you know, and that doesn't have to be just physical recovery. Sleeping, like you mentioned, downtime and mm-hmm. going for a walk. I think sometimes people see downtime as like has to be a nap or has to be you know trying to get nine hours of sleep. But the, you know, mm-hmm. that's the Sometimes I think, you know, like you mentioned, reading a book, doing things to unwind or uh, sometimes as important or more important just for your mental health uh, than, than getting a nap or something like that. So thanks, yeah. for sure. thanks for sharing. So as we start wrapping up, I have to ask a question because Coach Sebastian Geraldo told, I said, well, yeah, I have a question for Oliver. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, he said, tell us your mindset and attitude when you started getting loose, playing for the CCSC Sharks, and when you really showed what you could do. I guess he just wanted to get a feel for what your mindset was. Because I want to tell you, like, I think it was like kind of the second half of the season, this this last, uh, the 2019. I mean, you were doing some pretty special things. And what was interesting is, I mean, as a coach, I'm used to watching pretty good players. And you were playing with a really good batch of players and we're playing some pretty good teams. But I remember every time you would get the ball in certain situations, we all kind of got on the edge of our seat a little bit because we thought something, something magic's getting ready to happen. You know, he's going to do something, you know, that just is like sick, you know. And so uh, I think that's what he's thinking about. So tell us your, you know, because I noticed you sort of loosened up late in the season and you really got to feel it. What tell us about that? Definitely. Well, you know, you guys, you guys did give me a sense of freedom that I hadn't previously had as much with uh, other coaches, both in the US and in the UK. So I kind of felt like, when I had that freedom from you guys, it, it, it bred confidence in me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, okay, if I mess this up, I don't think the coach is going to be as mad as, as other coaches have been at me. <laughs> it's mad, yeah. And, and, and what that does is, is that it, it gives me the confidence to actually try those things. And, you know, when they do come off, something happens, you know? So I think that's definitely important to give, to give your players that, that sense of freedom because otherwise players just become robots and, and they don't really express themselves. But luckily... I was with some coaches that allowed me to do that. And I mean, I guess the, I guess the statistics spoke for themselves, but um, no, I loved, I loved every minute of it. Playing, playing for Corpus was, was something that I'll never forget for sure. It was, it was a, it was a massive turning point in, in my life and my, and my soccer career. I got to share this because if any, any future coaches for you are listening to this, it was a time it was, I think it was our last game there. Um, Mm. Sebastian had to go away for something. So I was the coach for the night. It was like our final game of the season. And we had this conversation before the game, say, coach, coach, I really want to play the whole game. (laughs) You did did not want to get subbed out. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. But in the previous few games, it was like, you kind of got yourself into trouble. You're kind of dribbling, you know, dribbling three and four people and stuff. And you kind of, kind of trying to take too much on. And I said, that sounds good, Ollie. But I said as long as you as long as you are able to move the ball when you know you've drawn all the pressure you know give that ball to somebody else and let and then you'll be open later in the game for big stuff you go out in the first half and I think you had a I think you had three assists in the first half it was it was crazy and we came in I remember we came out of the locker and there really wasn't much to say we were crushing the other team and you came out and said coach are you are you going to take me out and I was like no man (laughs) what I what I mean to say by all that 
I was very impressed. It was one of the takeaways I had from you as a player, very impressed at coachability. You're a player that like she was, I mean, superstar player as far as what you could do with the ball. Most coaches would say, fine, let Ollie take, take on four or five players if that's what he feels he needs to do. I felt that if you, you know, if you were integrated with the other players and gave the ball up more, sometimes you would get it back. And that's exactly what you did. And you were, you were willing to listen to that. And you had a superstar game. I think you scored goals in the same game. It was, it was a very, very strong performance, but it always stuck with me. And if any coaches, you know, in the future, you're definitely somebody that's coachable and, uh, and approachable with, with your game. So I always appreciate that about you. Chris, any final thoughts for um, Ali? No, I mean, I just appreciate uh, sharing your story with us because I think that, uh, you, you know, it's, it doesn't make a good story if it's easy, right? I mean, if, yeah. you, if you just make it through all the levels and, and then you have no adversity until sometimes you're on the biggest stage, well, then we all see – we've all seen that story before, right? Mm-hmm. NFL quarterbacks that get drafted in the first round, played at USC, and then they, they're a shell of what they could have been, you know? So I mm-hmm. think – you know, the, the story you told us, I think, uh, paints a different kind of picture. And, and I think the, the substance that it sounds like that you've gained is going to just uh, serve you well. So I thank you for sharing all those uh, nuggets, the uh, the highs and the lows with us, because I think people that listen to us uh, appreciate that. So uh, best a, lot more, best a lot more satisfying for me as well, knowing that I've gone through the, the hardships. I haven't, I haven't had the easy route, you know. So, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely a lot more satisfying knowing yeah, that I've gone through Build, builds a little it's, it's nice to just breeze through and have it like it's drawn up but it, it doesn't build too much grit like that so hopefully yeah. that'll uh, they'll serve you well in the future so uh, best of luck to you i appreciate that yeah. ollie thanks for sharing your story chris and i appreciate you spending time uh sharing your journey enthusiasm your insights i think you have really special tools a skill set and mindset i think you're going to go really far i'm very excited to watch you kind of shine in the coming season um and um I look forward to sharing your, you know, progress with everyone. Check back into the WFL Life podcast. Uh, you know, we are going to share your story with everyone. Uh, we have a little network uh, called the Future Focus Health Network. I'm going to make sure to share your progress because we have, a, you know, thousands of listeners uh, that listen to this show and they'll like a, an update from you every once in a while. So I'll ping you, you know, I'll, I'll share your stuff every time I see something. And uh, I'm going to make the trip. I'm in, I'm in San Antonio multiple times a week usually. So uh, right. I'm going to be uh, looking at the schedule and Sebastian are, and I are hoping to be at some of your first games. So look looking forward, forward to, to you. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Have Thanks a good one. Yeah.